TII, item 397, June 29th, 2016, iOS 10, beta 1. More details. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode is sponsored by Ring. For a limited time, get $50 off the Ring security kit by going to ring.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Brian for sending in the music you hear in the background. Brian wrote, Hi, Rob. Here's a song called Get Out. On iOS, I use the apps Nano Studio, iMachine, Notion, and GarageBand. Most of the songs started on the iPhone or iPad and then were brought over to the Mac for finishing. On the Mac, I use the app Studio One, Logic, and Notion. You can find more of my music at ReverbNation.com slash TimFate. Regards, Brian. Well, thanks, Brian, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. also want to thank Ben for sending in the artwork for today's show. Ben wrote the following. Hi, Rob. I made this artwork using the apps Photoshop Touch and Inkpad. The text gradient and box effects were created in Photoshop Touch, and the shine on the text was created in Inkpad. Regards, Ben M. Well, thanks, Ben, for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Ben's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 397 or at Instagram.com slash Today in iOS. And also as a standalone post in the VIP section at Facebook.com slash Today in iOS. So all over the place. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. And like I've been saying for the last few episodes, I'm really low on music. So please, if you have some music that you've created on iOS device, please, please, please send it in. In this segment of How Wrong Were They? We have the following quote, quote, With yesterday's announcement of the new Windows Phone 7, I believe we are seeing the rise of Windows Phone 7 as the iPhone killer. Get Android. This is the one you need to pay attention to. Unquote. Jamie Riddell, CEO of Digital Tomorrow Today, 16th of March, 2010. With all these iPhone killers out there, it kind of makes the iPhone the Jon Snow of smartphones. Just saying. This week, we have promo codes for the app Magical Alphabet. Here is the written review from the dev. Quote, I am one of the co-developers of Magical Alphabet, a fun educational app for preschoolers and toddlers, in which they learn letters, phonics, and spelling through hilarious 3D magic shows, videos, and puzzle games. Some of the features of this app are 26 funny story-based 3D magic show movies, which will help kids learn 26 letters and 52 words in a most entertaining way, 52 spelling puzzles, where kids drag letters in place to spell words, while listening to their names and phonic sounds along with delightful animations, an interactive alphabet table to help kids learn their ABCs and phonics along with the images of the words. Magical Alphabet is available exclusively on the App Store for iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch for just $1.99, but you can definitely try a free or light version before purchasing a, po- a full paid version. Your kids are surely going to have an awesome experience with Magical Alphabet. Thanks a lot and have a great day. Unquote. Well, thanks to the devs for their review of their app, Magical Alphabet, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. 
Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, please send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put magical in the subject line. Of course, our quick reminder, if you're an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured on the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when sending in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. And if English is not your native language, you can always send in a script like was done today, and I'll read that for you. On episode 396, the beginning of that episode, I went over the changes in the settings app for iOS 10. I stopped at the new HomeKit settings. If you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 396 so you can hear all the new features and where they're located inside the settings app. Uh, next up is music, and we're going to start there and some of the changes. There is a new download subsection with downloaded music options showing how many bytes of downloaded music you have on your iOS device and the option automatic download toggle. When toggled on, uh, when adding music to your library, it also will download to that iOS device and downloaded songs are available then for playback when offline. There is now an optimized storage toggle that when turned on, if your iOS device is low on space, it will automatically remove music from that iOS device that you you haven't played in a while. When turned on, it will also give you the option for a minimum amount of storage that you can allocate to Apple Music from none to 8 to 16, 32, or 64 gigs of min storage space allocated just for Apple Music. Under the library subcategory, they added in sort songs by title or artist. Previously, it was just sorting albums by artist and title. Settings for video also added a couple of small features. One is use cellular data toggle. And then for a new subcategory, they have playback quality. And you have the option of Wi-Fi with either best available or good. And if you turned on cellular data, you can also adjust the playback quality as well with that, um, also with a choice of best available or good. For the settings for the photo app, the only difference I can see is the addition of the control toggle for show holiday events. Nothing new to announce for iBook settings or podcast app settings or iTunes U settings or Game Center. Same old, same old. Beyond the changes in the settings app for apps, there were actually, you know, changes to the actual apps. For instance, with Calendar in iOS 10, here is some of what's new. One, found events. You can get calendar suggestions for events found in mail and messages, so you can add them easily. wonder how many young'uns out there are going to wind up with Netflix and chill for Friday and Saturday nights thrown into their calendar. Two, Time to leave. This is where Calendar uses Apple Maps to look up locations, traffic conditions, and transit options to tell you when to get off your backside and get going to your event. Three, location suggestions are added to calendars. The calendar will suggest the location for a new event based on your past events and frequent locations. The Clock app gets a whole new look and a new major category with bedtime joining Do not consider this the part of the Netflix and chill part. This is uh, when you need to go to sleep. 
um, that joins world clock, alarm, stopwatch, and timer, which were the traditional four categories. So now you have bedtime in there as well. Bedtime allows you to create a wake alarm based on a question um, that the apps will ask you. Seems they think going to bed and waking up the same time every day is good to your, for your health. Clearly, the app part of the app wasn't written by a podcaster. In the Notes app, as mentioned at WWDC, there is now the collaboration option where you can pick a note and then invite people via email, Twitter, and Facebook to join a meeting where everyone invited can make changes to that note. Just kind of like Google Docs. I mentioned on the last episode that Swift Playgrounds was live now, at least the first lesson. My older son has been going through that. So about halfway through the lessons, well, at least half of the number of lessons. It seems the further you get in, the harder it gets. So probably not halfway there, time-wise. I have to say this. I am very, very impressed with Swift Playgrounds. It is teaching a good deal of fundamentals for programming that a 10-year-old can understand and be inspired to spend multiple hours a day on. Many hours. I have to really hand it to them because it's really captivated him and, and got him really engaged in doing this. And he's having a good time doing it too. How it starts out is you have this character bite and you have to move him around and do things for the different challenges. Turn on or off a tile, grab a gem. Note, on the gem grabbing, it does seem that there is an intermittent bug where he goes to grab a gem and it does not grab the gem. Near as I can tell, it's just a bug and definitely does not repeat all the time. Same with uh, turning on and off a, a tile. And we've also found other bugs where when you enter the code, it does not perform perfect. Even if you put in exactly the code they show for the answer, and the code should be the answer. So yes, there are bugs in the software to teach you how to code. Or as I told my son, this is just Apple's way of introducing you to the concept of what a bug is. Sure, they can talk about it, but it is much more memorable if they give you examples of bugs in their own software. Just saying. And that said, let me go over the Swift Playground uh, Learn to Code 1 Fundamentals of Swift. The first section goes over commands. Very simple commands, how to use commands, even some bug squashing. Next section goes over functions, what they are and creating them and more. Very important. Then they go into loops filed by conditional code and if and else ifs. They also have sections on logical operators, while loops, algorithms, variables, types, initiation, parameters, and finally the end with the section called world building. That is all in their intro to code one section. I said when Apple introduced Swift Fundamentals, that could be the most important announcement of WWDC 2016 when we look back. And now that I have had a chance to watch my son use it and have him show me the code he's written to solve problems and ask questions, I am now convinced it was the most important part of WWDC 2016. Kudos, Apple, on this great, great resource. And for those with an iPad and thinking of getting the iOS 10 beta, if you have a kid in the house that is looking to learn programming, or if you are looking to learn programming, this is definitely worth putting the beta of iOS 10 on your iPad for. Hi, Rob. This is Tom from Crystal Lake, Illinois. Calling about the caller on episode 396 that uh, his iPad refurbished, somehow hooked up to a Wi-Fi, and he didn't enter the information. I could verify. I don't know how it does it. 
but I can verify that it happened to me too. I fought for years with my work to get on their Wi-Fi. They hooked up my iPhone 6 finally, and a couple months later, I went and bought an iPad Pro, and lo and behold, when I showed up to work with my iPad Pro, it auto-grabbed that Wi-Fi and hooked me up. So just my experience out there, it does happen. Don't know how. Have a great day. Thanks for everything you do. Bye. Tom, thanks for the feedback. And staying on the subject, hi, Rob. Wi-Fi passwords are stored in iCloud Keychain. It works really great. I have had my iPhone log in into secure Wi-Fi networks moments after logging into the network on my MacBook Pro. Here is a link to the Apple support doc that talks about this. And I'll have the link in the show notes to that. And look for the one that says Apple support docs. Uh, regards, Nate from Not Nerd Podcast. Thank you, Nate. And staying on this, into the email bag, we go again. Hi, Rob. To answer a few questions from the previous episode, one, Wi-Fi network sharing between devices. Yes, joined Wi-Fi networks. Information is shared between iOS devices and even Macs. I believe this requires one to enable iCloud keychain on your devices because the Wi-Fi network password is also saved and shared. Thus, keychain must be enabled because a password is being saved and shared. Two, SOS on the watch OS 3. SOS is not activated by merely holding down the button adjacent to the crown. An additional swipe action is required to place an SOS call. In watch OS 2, holding down the button gave three options, power off, power reserve, and lock device. In watch OS 3, power reserve and lock device have been relocated to the new control center and replaced uh, glances. Lock device it has its own icon in the new control center, bottom right padlock. Uh, power reserve can be manually enabled by tapping on the battery percentage in the control center, upper left. Then on power reserve, it's a little buried compared to Watch OS 2, but presumably it's still, uh, it'll still be an option when Watch warns when the battery levels fall to 10%. So with power reserve and lock device removed from their previous location holding down the button apple has added medical id and emergency sos in their place presumably you'll need to swipe on emergency sos to place the emergency call at which point it'll kick off the three second countdown perhaps an additional press and hold while the screen might also place the call but i don't have the beta installed and I don't know if I'd want to try. Needless to say, the initial press and hold of the button is, is going to play, isn't going to place an SOS call as the initial press and hold is needed to get to the watch's power off and medical ID functions as well. Regards, Damon F. from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Well, thank you, Damon. We have a new sponsor, and I have a new toy, and that is Ring, the video doorbell with advanced motion detection technology really is nice to answer the doorbell from anywhere. And I mean anywhere, the grocery store, the movies, in my car, at a restaurant, and in bed. These are places I have answered the doorbell in the last week alone. And the best part is you can see who is there and hear them and then decide if you want to say anything or just watch and make sure they leave. For me, it is mostly about convenience, but it is also about security. I get things delivered all the time. Amazon Prime is a big part of how I shop. By the way, I just got an Alexa. And now I can also see any activity near the front door. The folks from Ring point out that there is a home burglary every 13 seconds in the U.S. And most happen in broad daylight. 
where a burglar first rings your doorbell to see if you're home by allowing you to answer the doorbell and speak to that person. And they're not sure who you, where you are and you're not sure who they are. It will scare off those with bad thoughts and intentions because, well, they don't want to risk it. If you go to ring.com slash TII, you will get, for a limited time, $50 off the Ring of Security Kit, which includes a video doorbell, stick-up cam, solar panel, and indoor chime. For the visual doorbell, it quickly, I mean very quickly and easily, connects to your wired doorbell wires. So the main unit is not something you have to worry about charging if you wire it up. It took me all of 20 minutes, if that, to remove the old doorbell, replace it with the video doorbell from Ring, and connect it to my iPhone. And you can also share access to it with others in your house. My wife and son also get access to the doorbell and video. So if I can't answer, or even if I do, they can also answer as well. So that makes it nice when you have multiple people in the house that can get to it. The Ring doorbell has been a huge hit with my kids and their friends. The stick-up cam can be used to watch other parts of your house and also installs in minutes. Go to ring.com slash TII to save $50 off either of the Ring of Security Kits. Thanks, Ring, for sponsoring this episode. We are now over 3,000 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came out was from Arthur Gaskins who posted the following, quote, could anyone tell me why you would not have the Wi-Fi calling feature enabled in settings? Do you get charged more? Is it a privacy issue, etc.? unquote. To which there were quite a few replies. Craig B. replied, quote, the first couple of weeks, I occasionally had a, dro- a call drop. I happened to be working in a building with Wi-Fi, but no cell service. Now I can't even tell if I'm on Wi-Fi. No change in spam. I don't really see how this could affect spam, unquote. Ken O replied, quote, if you can turn it on, there won't be any extra charge. T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon in the U.S. have it. I don't think Sprint does. It is simply a case of if you don't have a good cell signal, you can make calls still over Wi-Fi, unquote. Uh, David W. replied, quote, it breaks forwarding calls to iPads is why I have mine turned off, unquote. Keith O. replied, quote, on AT&T, you are warned that 911 calls when using Wi-Fi calling can't give a very good estimation of your location. That's one reason, but I still use it, unquote. Walter D. replied, quote, I disabled mine because if you are on a conference call and want to leave your house, your call will drop once you get away from Wi-Fi, at least on Verizon with an iPhone 6S, unquote. And I'm going to add this. I turned it off as I was having issues getting my hotspot to work when I had it turned on. That was either early this year or late last year with iOS 9, 9.0, but I have not turned that back on since to see if it works now. Also, I had an issue getting voicemail messages right away. Seemed to really delay them coming in. Sometimes I would get them three, four hours later. Again, I don't know if that was just a T-Mobile issue or if it was because I had Wi-Fi calling, but it seemed when I had Wi-Fi calling on, my my voicemail messages took longer to get to me. It seemed like it got stuck in the Wi-Fi mode. And then when it eventually got connected, reconnected to the cellular, then the the voicemail messages came in. Since the last episode, 
There are also dozens and dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the TI Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it's the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 3,000 plus of you already in the community and contributing. And also from the Google Plus community, where these comments per the last episode, which I always pin the last episode at the top, from Kareem Haskett, quote, I am listening to episode 396 now, and your discussion on the headphone jack rumors reminded me of an issue I've had with iOS 10 on my iPhone 6S Plus. Not sure if anyone else is having this issue, but my headphone jack does not work on iOS 10. Could that be a possible hint of what's to come with iPhone 7? The software seems to have turned off the headphone jack. Not a huge problem for me since all of my headphones are wireless. However, I do listen to my podcast while driving using an auxiliary cable, which no longer works. That being said, I found an awesome workaround on Amazon called the SoundBot that allows you to listen through sound via an auxiliary input using Bluetooth. The problem turned out to be a blessing for me since the SoundBot is way more convenient than my old method of plugging auxiliary cable into my iPhone. Now my phone automatically connects when I start my car to provide me with flawless audio with no wires. My car has built-in Bluetooth, but only for taking on the phone or talking on the phone. The SoundBot completely upgraded the Bluetooth in my car. By the way, it may sound like it, but I am no way affiliated with SoundBot's business, unquote. And that is SoundBot, one word. So thank you, Kareem, for the heads up on that. There's an interesting article from the marshallproject.org website titled, The Amazing iPhone Sniffing Prison Dogs. Yes, they have trained dogs to sniff out iPhones in prisons. One dog, Draco, has found over a thousand phones alone. What was really interesting is that they teach them not to just smell the lithium battery, but also the SIM card smell as well. The fact that California finds thousands of iPhones each year in prisons, that's pretty scary. We're getting a new dog next month. Wonder if I can train a Frenchie to find iPhones and iPads around the house, as well as car keys while I'm at it. Hmm. There are two type of articles we're going to see a lot of between now and September. One is new features found in the beta of iOS 10. And two, the latest iPhone 7 rumors and leaks info. Since we already covered one, time to go over number two. The latest one making the rounds is a supposed leaked photo or really photos of a case for the iPhone 7. And said photo shows that on the bottom of the device, there is no headphone port but rather dual speakers. So it seems we are swinging back to the no headphone port rumor camp. Photos are on the site nowhereelse.fr, a site that has had some early leaks of mechanicals in years past. The other thing from the pics is the opening for the camera on the iPhone 7 is much bigger than on the iPhone 6 backing up other rumors about a bigger camera module slash upgrade for the iPhone 7. That would be a single camera module. The iPhone 7 Plus is the one that will supposedly have the dual camera modules. Thanks to Chris in London for the heads up on this next article, which is more iPhone 7 rumors. And now it's that Samsung will be supplying OLED screens, OLED screens for the next gen iPhones. Another new rumor is that there might even be a dual SIM unit that's in the works for the next-gen iPhone. 
And of course, there is the rumors backing up others that the top end will be a 256 gigabyte for storage version and that the next gen will ship with a lightning to 3.5 millimeter headphone jack adapter because we all love having a dongle to play with. Thanks to all that sent in this next one, and that is from tomsguide.com, and, and that is this year, come September, we will not have two new iPhones, but three. The iPhone 7, iPhone 7 Plus, and the iPhone 7 Pro. This per rumors found on Weibo, which is a Chinese version of Twitter, so take it for what it's worth. What are some of these specs? The iPhone 7 would come in... 32, not enough gigabytes, 64, barely enough gigabytes, and 256, now we are talking gigabytes versions. While the iPhone 7 Plus and Pro would come in 32, you should be embarrassed to call this a Plus or Pro gigabyte version. 128, yes, that's a good gigabyte version, and 256 room to breathe gigabyte versions. They also had breakdowns on pricing for those three, plus the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, and how they all would work together. No other differences between the Plus and Pro versions were really listed. It is possible that the Pro version could have the Smart Connector and even be a little bit bigger than the Plus. Again, and the Smart Connector, by the way, would mean it would connect to a smart keyboard. Again, I'm just passing along the latest rumors du jour. Not saying I believe in any of them. Lots of spaghetti being thrown at lots of walls these days. Okay, so we talk about the iPhone 7 that is dominating most of the blog posts on rumors but it is not 100% dominating. More so this year than in other years, we are seeing rumors and reports on the iPhone, the generation after next gen, or the iPhone 8 to keep things simple. One of those rumors is that the OLED screens supposedly coming from Samsung are not for the iPhone 7, but rather for the iPhone 8. Additionally, the screen will run edge to edge and it'll be curved and glass on both sides. Yes, pretty much guaranteeing however you drop it, that cracking sound will be clear and distinctive. It will, of course, have an A11 processor, right? Since the iPhone 7 is going to have the A10, and the A11 will use 10 nanometer technology. Because it's glass on both sides, it will be easy to have inductive charging in there, which is what they're rumoring. rumoring. And the iPhone 8 will get rid of the home button and will offer all-around improvements like better or enhanced biometric features such as advanced facial recognition and even iris scanning. Hence, no need for fingerprint scanning. Basically, it will be smarter, faster, glassier, and betterer than the iPhone 7 and 6th gen versions. And because it will be so darn sexy, it is possible that many will not upgrade to the iPhone 7 because of these rumors, causing even more pent-up demand for the iPhone 8, which will start Apple back on the path to the $1 trillion market cap, but not before that market cap drops when the iPhone 7 doesn't do as well because of said pent-up demand. Hey, Rob. Jeff from Redmond, Washington. Just listening to item 396. Question about this um, hiding of the uh, apps, uh, you know, as opposed to actually deleting them. Uh, the stock iOS apps, if I were to go ahead and do that, and then let's say uh, I, I suddenly, you know, afterwards realize I needed to use one, what would be the procedure for bringing it back to life or for unhiding it? Appreciate an answer and keep up the good work as usual. Thanks. Hi, Jeff. This is actually pretty easy to do. 
you just go to the app store and re-download the app that you deleted or quote unquote deleted and it will be restored and active and unhidden again. And I actually did that on a couple of the apps on my iPad Pro that I have running iOS 10. I deleted them and then I was able to go into the app store, find those apps and then reinstall them. So pretty easy to do. Again, it doesn't completely delete them, but to get them back, you do need to go to the app store and re quote unquote download them again into the email bag. Hi Rob, I do a lot of driving and I've been thinking about getting an aftermarket radio for the truck to utilize CarPlay, but there are quite a few different makes and models out there these days. Hard to find a lot of constructive feedback online as to which one or ones are user-friendly and the best. Don't know if you could throw that question out to the community or if you've had a previous episode I somehow missed that compared models regards Aaron S. Aaron, we have had an episode in the past, but it was like two and a half years ago, Christmas time, that we talked kind of about the different ones that were out there coming out, or maybe it was a year and a half ago, Christmas time. That said, why don't we start over and let's go with anyone who has gotten a third party aftermarket radio installed into their car recently that is CarPlay compatible. Which one did you get? Do you like it? Where did you get it? and roughly how much it costs. So please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Let us know what third-party aftermarket radio that you've gotten for your vehicle that supports CarPlay and what your thoughts on it are. This week, we have an Indiegogo project called Cores Drive. Quote, the world's first elegant... USB 3 flash drive with integrated Apple Lightning and micro USB common connector, also with micro SD flat drive for iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC, unquote. Pricing on these vary depending on the storage option you choose. 32 gig, it will run you 39, 64 gig, 60, 128 gig is 89, 256 gig is 149, and 512 gig is 299. Actually, just getting it to extend the storage on my MacBook Pro is almost worth it at that price. And will and well, with the speed of USB 3.0, kind of seems attractive. Right now, they've raised 26% of their initial goal of, well, just $2,000. So that's not much. And they have two months left on this. They estimate September for the ship date. I do like the size, storage, and flexibility, both with USB 3.0 and Lightning the two key methods my laptop and iOS devices connect with. Search for Core's Drive in the show notes for episode 397 at todayinios.com, and that's spelled C-O-R-S-D-R-I-V-E, and it's one word. My oldest son wanted me to mention his new favorite free app on the Apple TV 4th Gen. It is called Cell Connect, two words, and it's from Boombit. The app is also available for iOS devices but it does play really well on the Apple TV. It is a fun, addictive game where you move numbers from one cell to another to get four of the same numbers grouped together, which then turns them into the sum of the four numbers. So if you bring four ones together, now you have a four. You bring four twos together, you have an eight. Bring four fours together, you have 16, and I think you get the picture from there. If you move a number and it does not combine four or more of a number, then the next group of numbers are added, and once all the cells have numbers in them, then the game's over. So you actually don't want new numbers to come in right away. You want to try to keep it clean. There is some 
good strategy involved. And since the next group of numbers go to random cells, well, there's also some luck. Again, the gameplay on the Apple TV is very nice. So if you're looking for a good free game for the Apple TV, this is one Henry highly recommends and asks me to talk about on the show. If you have a favorite free or paid game for Apple TV, or your kids do, give me a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or shoot us an email today in iOS at gmail.com. Share your favorite Apple TV games with the audience. Hi, Rob. It's Shannon. Got a weird thing going on with my phone here lately. I noticed about a week ago when I came home from work that uh, I couldn't watch a YouTube video. It kept buffering and pausing, and that never happens at my house. I normally have anywhere between 48 and 50 megabits per second download and probably about six or seven up. I checked the data download speed with an app on my phone, and it only got up to about 1.2 megs, so obviously I knew something was wrong. The first thing I did was reset my modem at home. I have a Motorola surfboard with a motor, the modem and the router all in one. Anyway, I reset that because that seems like I need to do that about once a week. That didn't fix it. So then I thought, well, I'll do a reset network settings. And that did fix it on my phone. So all was great. Then the next night I come home and I checked it again. And sure enough, the same thing again. I've only got about 1.2 megabits down. And I can't watch videos. So this time I just rebooted my phone. Just held down the power and the you know, the sleep-wake button and the, and the home button until the Apple logo came back. And it's fine. So every day now I have to reboot my phone and it seems like just when I come from the work Wi-Fi. So I thought I would ask and see if anybody out there has experienced this and what else can I do other than maybe a full reset. I actually just recently did a reset, complete reset, but I restored from iTunes. I didn't set it up as new. Uh, And then one more thing, a couple nights ago I went to plug it in and it wouldn't charge. And long story short, I had to reboot my phone again to get it to start charging. If anybody could help with those or you have any suggestions which direction for me to go next, I'd appreciate it. Thanks for everything, Rob. Take care. Shannon, thanks for the voicemail message. And I'm going to throw that out to the audience, but I'll ask this question of you. When you go into your Wi-Fi network at work, uh, look at your IP address. Uh, what are the settings? Is it DHCP? And for HTTP proxy, do you have it set it off or manual or auto? Maybe even try forgetting this network for your work and then do the reset while you're at work, and then go back and re-add your Wi-Fi network at work. It could be something with your Wi-Fi network at work that's causing the issue. I know we've had somebody in the past call in on a similar question here on this. So if anyone out there knows of an answer for Shannon definitively, or has any suggestions or have had the same problem and solved it, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or send the email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Would you please poll other listeners for suggestions on a web page aggregator, something like the Apple News app that lets you follow a topic? I would use this to stay current with healthcare programs such as HIPAA and a new one called MACRA, M-A-C-R-A, This would be a great time saver for many people. Thanks for all you do and what you do for TII. Regards, Craig S. Well, Craig, one thing I would suggest is go to Google and set up a a Google email alert. So, you know, set up a search result alert for HIPAA and MACRA, and then you'll get links into an email. Maybe even set up a whole email account just for those so that all the alerts go into that one email account. 
And then you can go through there and just click and find articles in there that come in that meet those search requirements. But if anyone else has any other suggestions for a good blog aggregator app that they like, give us a call or shoot us an email. Let us know which one you're using for your iOS device for aggregating different blog feeds. Thanks to Dr. John for this next one. And this is a post from the Washington Post titled, Apple wants to kill a bill that would make it easier for you to fix your iPhone. Those evil SOBs, what are they thinking? There is a New York bill called the Fair Repair Act that is intended to give indie repair centers access to official components. It would require hardware manufacturers to make repair instructions and parts available to the public. But it seems the bill's progress in the New York State Legislature is not going so well. And HuffPo reported based on publicly available documents that show Apple lobbied to kill the bill. Think? From the article, quote, Apple in particular has been really vocal about how environmentally friendly they are, but then behind the scenes, they're subverting every possible technique that people could have to make their products last longer, said Kyle Wines, founder of iFixit. Apple removed the iFixit app from the App Store last year when iFixit posted instructions on how to tear down the Apple TV, unquote. Um, You mean tear down the Apple TV that was sent out just to developers early and which the developers had to agree not to tear open or give information out on? And the one where iFixit joked during the teardown that they probably would get in trouble? You mean that Apple TV teardown? Just saying. It is not shocking that Apple or any other hardware manufacturer would want to do what the build does and and would force them to do. Um, It would be nice if Apple made official parts available and made it easier for DIYers to repair iOS devices. The article, though, is pretty slanted. It even has this quote, and I kid you not. Quote, Think back to a time when the pack panel of television sets had schematics and diagrams posted on it. This was not thousands of years ago. This was how society was. But it was slowly taken away from us piece by piece over the last decade. This is important because we will eventually live in a world where everything is disposable if the precedent continues. Where, where you do not own a device, you're renting it until it breaks, unquote. Um, yeah, that schematic they're talking about was so you could change out the vacuum tubes, which are like light bulbs and burned out all of the time. Heck, they used to be a vacuum tube tester at most local drugstores. Good luck finding one of those now. Yes, times have changed and we are no longer dealing with vacuum tubes in our electronics. Thank God. Well, unless you have really, really high-end amplifier for a music system, that's a completely different subject. But for smartphones, yeah, vacuum tubes, not really the best technology for the job. Rather, we have these slightly more reliable things called solid-state transistors, which many consider the most important invention of all time, ahead of smallpox vaccine and penicillin and the wheel. Just saying. If the Washington Post wants to drive home a point about Apple being bad for killing a bill, they might not want to include quotes where people reminisce back to the days of vacuum tubes. 
and having to go to drugstores to check if that tube really is burned out. A big thanks to Vicky C. for your donation to the show. It is greatly appreciated. Next week is the 4th of July. I'm going to try to get a new episode up next week, but that is also right before I leave for Podcast Movement, the biggest show for podcasters, and I have a big presentation that week. Plus, we'll be traveling on July 5th. Again, I will do my best to get out the episode, but it might not happen next week. Hopefully, iOS 10 Beta 2 will go live this week. Probably happen maybe even when you're hearing this on the 29th, as that will push me to report on the new features. But to help me for the next episode, I really, really want to emphasize getting your feedback on iOS 10 Beta or the new betas for watchOS or tvOS. You can really help me with sending in your feedback. Also next week, if you're going to be a podcast movement, come up and say hi on Wednesday night before the Hall of Fame ceremony or right after, and let's get a selfie. I want to send Judy some pics of me and the bow tie she made with other TII listeners. Finally, again, Podcast 411 is back. Go to podcast411.com for the latest blog post or episode. Next guest, which will be Lou Mangello from WDW Podcast. That should be live Friday or this weekend. So again, after you're done listening to this, go check out Podcast 411. I have an interview up right now with Ben Greenfield. And then again, Lou's interview will go up Friday or this weekend sometime. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Who's there? Robert? Robert who? Robert, I don't do knock-knock jokes. Thanks again to Ring for sponsoring this episode. Folks, right now, and for a limited time only, go to ring.com slash TII to save $50 off the Ring security kit. Thanks, Ring, for sponsoring the show. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moondog or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or product review, good or bad, as long as it is iOS-related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on this show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. Also, don't forget to check out the moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com community. And finally, check out the updated TII app, which is free to you. Just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TII app. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I am your host, Rob, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
And one more news article. I found this right after I'd finished recording, and it came in through an email, and that was an email from Evernote. And Evernote had the following to say in their email. And the email was titled, Upcoming Changes to Evernote Basic Accounts. Quote, At Evernote, we are committed not only to making you as productive as you can be, but also to running our business in as transparent a way as possible. We're making a change to our basic service, and it's important that you know about it. In the coming weeks, Evernote basic accounts will be limited to two devices, such as a computer and phone, two computers, or a phone and a tablet. You are currently over this limit, but will have at least 30 days to adjust. Plus, and premium accounts will continue to support access from an unlimited number of devices. Look for additional communications from us explaining how your account is changing and outlining your options for more information about why we are making this change, unquote. So I just wanted to get that out there for all you Evernote users, which I am one of, and I do all the show notes for all my shows in Evernote. So it looks like now I can no longer go between my iPhone, my iPads, and my Mac, and I'm going to be limited to just my Mac and my iPhone. Bummer. But I guess I could always sign up for the paid version rather than the free version and then get those features back. And why they're doing it? It's funny when they say these things. They have a business. I understand that. They're trying to make money. But boy, sure did love all those features when it was purely just free. Guess I'm going to have to look into the paid version now. Okay, now that really is it. Ciao. See you in July.